It's the right hook with George Hook. It's a Thursday. And at this time, I welcome to the studio Bill Hughes. Welcome back after the Christmas recess. And a Happy New Year to you, George. And to you indeed, 2016. Um, I put you on Spotify, which is on the internet, music, where you download music. It's called, it, it's Spotify, and you download music. We are putting essential songs on the right hook. So you just search for that <clears throat> on Spotify. Up it will pop. Each week we will be adding uh, your choices. Oh, my goodness. Now, as long as I know you, you've never paid a blind bit, uh, bit of attention to anything I've told you. But I told you before you went away on the holidays that I wanted an older year. You did. And you specified the song, actually. You said, please find the year that Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy by the Andrews Sisters was released and build your songs around that year. And it gave me the greatest pleasure to discover that it was the year of 1941, which was also the year that the earth was gifted with George Hook, the Correct. bouncing baby boy. <laughs> yes. yes. So you the coincide. My, yes, the year of my birth. Mm. I was very prolonged delivery, apparently. I am not surprised. About eight and a half years. And you've continued to be so. Yes. Yes. And no, apparently it was a hard delivery for my poor mother, God rest her. Anyway, we're in 1941. Mm-hmm. The world is in flames with World War Two, and my parents decide to have a child, which is me. But the music of '41 is fantastic because uh, there's there's really some great stuff here. People may well be saying, "75 years ago, why are we listening?" There's fantastic music. Off you go. Well, the, the big thing yours. to remember is that this is the height of the big band era. Uh, the Bobby Soxers have been swooning over Frank Sinatra and the Tommy Dorsey name on the record. They've been swooning over uh, dance halls. Ballroom tickets are at an all-time high. The Great Depression is becoming a memory. And the war at that stage for Americans was something that only us Europeans needed to worry about. Um, and into this... Until December. Until December. And yeah. into this... Uh, maelstrom of world activity come the Andrews sisters and the iconic tune, one of the iconic tunes of World War Two, Boogie Boogie Bugle Boy. From and Company C. From Company C. It's an early jump blues record. And jump blues preceded rhythm and blues. And right, it was okay. kind of jump music. But the song was written by Don Ray and Huey Prince. And it's really funny. But as we sit here, it's the 75th anniversary of the recording studio date of the recording. No. Of the Andrew Sisters, yes. <laughs> the first week of January. Go away. The first week of January they went in. And so that's why, why it's great. that The song was then, it became part of the soundtrack to a film by Abbott and Costello, Book Privates. It was nominated for the Oscar for Best Song that year. It didn't win. Uh, but it was just such a huge hit globally uh, because the girls were so amazing. The Andrew sisters themselves. Well, the, the whole point of the song, it was based on a true story about this guy from, um, uh, he was he was a, a musician from Chicago who was drafted into the army and he was renowned and he was brought in during the peacetime draft imposed by Roosevelt and 
He was famous as a bugler and as the lyric in the song, as we will hear, says he was the top man at his craft. And it transpired that when he went into the army, they didn't really have anything for him to blow. So he was only blowing Reveille. Uh, the wake-up call in the morning and he got kind of bored so his captain went out and conscripted more guys to create a band around him and then they put pep in the step of everybody doing reverie. So, reveille, reveille, reveille. Uh, yeah, reveille. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing, of course, I'm, 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 all my knowledge of music I got from my father as I've told you a million times but... I didn't know there was a difference between a bugle and a trumpet. Yeah. And my father explained to me that the trumpet had the three little keys that you fingered, whereas a bugle is nothing. It's relying on your breath to give you the different sounds. And a bugle is an army army instrument, of course. So your man, anyway, is the bugler. I didn't realise at all it was a a true story. Now, the Andrews sisters, huge at this time, did a lot of stuff with Bing Crosby. They're not, this is, sounds a bit on PC, but they're not the most, they're not there because they're attractive. They're not actually good-looking girls, but they have a fabulous voice. Isn't that so? Would you agree? Well, they all had hooters, if that's what you're saying. <laughs> By hooters, I mean big noses. Yeah. Not hooters as in the chain of restaurants now yes. in America. That's they had large noses. They were, they were but I, I thought they were gorgeous. Oh, yeah. But do you know their names? Laverne. Yeah. Maxine yeah. and Patty. Correct. There you go. <laughs> and Patty was the youngest, but yeah. Patty was the lead singer. Yeah. Now Patty was and I think it's only safe to say now in hindsight that Patty was a complete bitch. Was she? Yeah. And she made the lives of the other two a misery. And she oh. was the f- cause of all the breakups. Now there's probably going to be listeners going, That's not so. She was great too. But to read between the lines of what went on with the family, you know, the parents okay. had a tough time, all that sort of stuff. But they, the three girls, once they were the Andrews sisters and once it was wartime, they helped Betty Davis and John Garfield set up the Hollywood Canteen as a place where the soldiers could go and dance. And in fact, the three girls, while touring, would take random servicemen to dinner uh, uh, to dine out that the three girls with three servicemen as yeah. a big press call and they would do all that. So they were really good for the, for the morale. Wow. They, were really they, good for they morale. are part of, I think, the whole American musical relationship with World War II. There's a, there's a great one which they had, which, which we're hearing the Bugle Boy. The other one was Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree. With anyone else but, but me. me. <laughs> and of course the point was the soldiers were away and their girlfriends, they wanted them to remain faithful. But here are Paddy, Laverne and Maxine, the Andrews sisters with Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was the top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. They made him blow a bugle for his Uncle Sam. It really brought him down because he couldn't jam. The captain seemed to understand. Because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band. And now the company jumps when he plays Reveille, 
case of boogie woogie bugle bar of company B. A toot, a toot, a tootie a tootie blows it eight to the bar. In boogie rhythm, you can't blow a note unless a bass and guitar is playing with them. He makes a company jump when he plays reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle bar of company B. He was a boogie woogie bugle bar of company B. When he plays, he makes the company jump A to the bar. He's a boogie boogie bugle boy of company B. Do 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 da da do da da. Do do he blows it A to the bar. He can't blow a note if the bass and guitar isn't with him. And the company jumps when he plays reveille. He's a boogie boogie bugle boy of company B. Sisters from 1941, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, Essential Songs, Bill Hughes' Essential Songs for 1941. And from this week on, on Spotify, if you search for Essential Songs on the right hook, the playlists are going to be there. Bill, I loved it. 75 years later to the day. It still holds up. It still does. And even though I only really became familiar with the song in 1972 when Bette Midler did a cover of oh, it. Oh, did she? When Bette Midler was doing her Live at Last tour. And it was a fantastic version where she had the staggering Harlets as her Andrews sisters in the background. And it was like a, a real vaudeville act. Whereas right. the, the Andrews sisters were quite pure. Bette Midler's blouse would have been well open. All right. I'm really excited now. In 1941, my parents are listening to the Andrews sisters with a screaming baby boy uh, in the cot. Um, What's next? Well, funnily enough, you just asked me, did I know anything about Spotify? And I have to admit, I don't. In the same way that I know nothing about video games. Do you know anything about video games? No. Well, Fallout 3 is a major video game, apparently, so my sources tell me. Yeah, Fallout 3. Fallout 3. And the song used in Fallout 3, which is a huge video game, Many of our listeners will now know the song by the Ink Spots, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. Really? Is used in Fallout 3. So from 1941, to be relevant today and for it to be astonishing, because I remember when we did a couple of years ago on Essential Songs, I did an Ink Spots song. I did If I Didn't Care. Yeah. And it's one of the most beautiful songs ever. But this song, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire, is so atmospheric. I just love it. And I love the in- Ink Spots because they have such an extraordinary set of harmonies. They were a great vocal group of the 30s and 40s. and They, they were a black group. It's a they were say. black, yeah. And they 
were across music, musical genres like rhythm and blues, rock and roll and doo-wop all combined into the style that the Ink Spots were known for. The songs usually started with a little riff on the guitar and then the tenor voice took over and the main tenor voice was Orville Hoppy Jones, great character, Ivory Deke Watson, Jerry Daniels and Charlie Fuqua. They were the lineup of the Ink Spots. They had so many hits and they had so many duets. Like they did a lot of duets with um, with Ella Fitzgerald, like Cow Cow Boogie, Into Each Life, Some Rain Must Fall, I'm Making Believe. These were all things that they did with Ella Fitzgerald. Do you know one they did which I really love? Mm-hmm. The hip bone connected to the thigh oh, bone. Oh yeah, The yeah. thigh bone connected to the knee bone. Do you and, remember that one? And one of my father's favourites would have been When the Swallows Come Back to Capistrano. Oh yeah. That was theirs as well. Yeah. So they had so much good stuff. Now they were... They were they broke so much ground and they did so much for African American, uh, I don't know, prestige. I suppose yeah. you'd say that they're the subject of a 1998 book by Marv Goldberg, "More Than Words Can Say: The Ink Spots and Their Music," and it's certainly a great read. And they were inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 1999, so they're still remembered very fondly. They're still celebrated, and their work today is as relevant as it was in 1941. So I just love to hear. I don't want to set the world on fire. Now, sometimes you come in here over the years and you're talking about songs. That I have no idea. I might have been a babe in the cot in 1941, but. Uh, these, this music I know, and I, I every single Link Spot song of any of any uh, serious intent I know, I I love this because there's a there's a beautiful sentimentality about this. I think I it, they remind me years later. Uh, 25 years later, of the Platters, funny enough, although mm. the Platters had a female voice, I understand that, mm. but there was that similar kind of richness in the harmony. So why don't we have a listen from the essential songs of 1941, The Ink Spots, and I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart In my heart I have but one desire And that one is you No other will do I've lost all ambition For worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission That you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of, believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire, I just want to start a flame in your heart. I don't want to set the world on fire, honey. 
I love you too much I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart you see way down inside of me darling I have only one desire and that one desire is you and I know nobody else ain't gonna do I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission that you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire Just want to start a flame in your heart. All right, uh, they've certainly started uh, a flame in the heart of uh, this aging broadcaster here, the Ink Spots, with I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. Choice two of Bill Hughes in his Essential Songs for 1941, which now we've got a playlist going on Spotify, which you can get into by simply searching for Essential Songs on the Right Hook. Um, It is traditional. We play three songs. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've if, if you can match the previous two, young man, <laughs> you're really doing well. Well, I think I can. And I think I'm going to pull the rabbit out of the hat with this one. Uh, because today it is still as regarded, uh, as highly regarded as it was back then. It is the jazz standard classic, Take the A Train. Oh. <laughs> Serious music. <laughs> and Duke Ellington, I hope. It's, it's, Duke, it's Duke Ellington, but... More importantly, it is Billy Strayhorn. Now, William Strayhorn, known as Billy Strayhorn in the business, he composed it. He also composed Lush Life. And there is a stunning film made by PBS back in 2007 in the States called Billy Strayhorn, Lush Life. It won the Emmy for Best Documentary. It won... uh, It's because it tells an extraordinary story He was born in 1915 and he died in 1967. And Duke Ellington said of him, Billy Strayhorn was my right arm, my left arm, all the eyes in the back of my head, my brainwaves in his head and his in mine. And he got him to come and live with him because he was a young gay man, black in America in the 30s, who stood no chance of having any life. And Duke Ellington took him under his wing, brought him to live in his home with his wife, with his kids. And the sad thing is Duke Ellington then took an awful lot of credit for Billy Strayhorn's compositions. And it has subsequently been discovered that a lot of the music that Duke Ellington was credited with was in fact composed by Billy Strayhorn. And Billy got a very... Uh, aggressive form of cancer and died. Uh, He was only 52. Um, So today, 
I want it to be more about Billy Strayhorn than oh, about yeah. Duke Ellington because the genius that was, you know. And, and Lena Horne said uh, that he taught her vocal technique. Uh, Duke Ellington said he taught him phrasing. Like, this is, this is high praise for one wow. little man. He was tiny. He was only five foot two. And little uh, guy, no bigger than Sammy Davis Jr., like a real yeah. small little fella. And, but he packed such a huge punch. And when you think of the career that Duke Ellington went on to have, and Duke Ellington was, was such a ladies' man. He had so many women in his life. He had wives, he had mistresses, he had lovers. And he was loyal to them all. And he needed to be earning an awful lot of money because okay. he kept them all in the style they all got used to. The interesting thing for me about Take the A Train, and I'm going to be listening with more than my usual attention, which is always very rapt, but this will be senior. 20 odd years later, right? Uh, dancing in rugby clubs a weekend. Sunday night, Old Belvedere was the great place to go. And I had a great band called Donny Nugent. And Donny played the piano. And at one point during the night, he would play Take the A-Train. And that was a point at which you could really hold her tight and (laughs) whisper in her ear, can I buy you a mineral, okay? So this is for uh, Duke Ellington. It's Essential Songs of 1941. It's Billy Strayhorn, linked surprisingly with Donny Nugent and the band of Old Belvedere in the 1960s. It's Take the A-Train! Duke Ellington, Take the A-Train, an essential song. 
of 1941 of Bill Hughes. Now, if you like Bill, and who couldn't like Bill, you if you go into the podcast section of Newstalk.com, uh, you'll find many of the previous Essential Song Weeks. And then if you like the playlist, we'll have it for you on Spotify. Search Essential Songs on the right hook, and each week we'll update the playlist. So when you're driving down to Cork or Limerick or Galway, you can take those songs all the way with you. Bill? Just just one thing to say as before we leave this, because Billy Strayhorn, who had composed that song, when he was dying uh, in the hospital, he wrote one final piece of music. It's called Blood Count. And Duke Ellington uh, put it on an album in memoriam to Billy. Uh, and the album is called And His Mother Called Him Bill. And for anybody who loves music, they got to hear. And his mother called him Bill, Duke Ellington. It's his tribute to his great oh. friend. And in our tribute to Duke Ellington, the signature tune on Friday's Right Hook is Blue Pepper by Duke Ellington. Well, there's uh, 1941 for you. Uh, and next week, we move on quarter of a century to 1966. I might have been a babe in the cotton 41, but I tell you, in 1966, I was cutting a magnificent figure on the dance floors of Dublin's rugby clubs. And Bill thinks it's an epic year, so I can't wait. Well, I'm going to do 1966, Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week, Volume 1. Coming up next, Jerd Tannum kickstarts another business.